we are on to week two of our harmonic series, which is all about the way that God puts together sound. It's the science of sound. It's the science of music. And we started week one with our gathered services. And so good on you for booking in, for registering, for being a part of services in buildings at Good Life Church. And if you didn't, there was still a bunch of people that got online for our Good Life at Your Place service. But this week, we're church scattered. Last week was church gathered. And this week, we're church scattered. So if you've invited someone around to your place, if you've joined in with a watch party or you're doing it with someone, good on you for making sure you're not doing it alone. And if that's what you're doing right now, hey, don't be discouraged. You've got another week. You can invite someone around, invite them around. If you invited someone and they didn't come, I want to say good for you. If you've ever invited someone to be a part of something at Good Life Church and they've, they've not said yes, uh, don't be discouraged. Keep on being a friend. Keep on being a shining light. That's what God is doing in and through us is that God's giving us strength to continually be his disciples and then make disciples. And to that end, we're going to get going with this series, week two of Harmonics. Now, to get us started, I've got to let you know that when I was younger, uh, I was a couple of things. I was definitely accident prone. I have more scars uh, up and down legs, especially my knees, are covered in scars when I was accident prone as a child. Um, when I eventually got to the age where I'd have my own wallet um, or watch or eventually keys or eventually a phone, I had a big issue. It wasn't the accident prone. I was prone to losing things. And um, you've got to realize this. Uh, Good Life Church, that while I am speaking to a camera right now, I'm envisaging you in your home, but I'm also envisaging this coming Sunday, because uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, really. that's You feel like it's live, but it's not. It's being recorded earlier. I'm here sitting next to my wife and around with my children on my couch on Sunday morning, and I will be watching this together. And as I say the words, I used to be uh, like prone to losing things, my wife is going to be pointing the finger and laughing at me and now the children are joining in. Yes, I'll be getting red and I'll be saying, stop it, sit down or I won't feed you for the next week. I actually will feed the children. But I definitely was that way and sometimes I've still got to fight to not be that way. And I was taught by my pastors um, uh, early in life, early in my Christian walk, to utilize the scriptures to my advantage because I was prone to losing things I would utilize these scriptures. Now, Luke chapter 8, verse 17 says, Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 22. So it's New Testament and Old Testament. So we've got backup out of both Testaments here. He reveals deep. So he, God, reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him. I had a pastor tell me, hey, look, if you've lost your keys, if you've lost something, if you need to find something, then quote those scriptures and pray to God that God would move upon those scriptures and help you remember and help you bump into those things. You have no idea how many times that helped me. Now, I, I used to be very prone to losing stuff, but I have a certain member of my family who's prone to not remembering where the car is in the car park at the mall. And so maybe that person in my home could start to pray these scriptures, Luke chapter 8, verse 17, or Daniel chapter 2 and verse 22. Um, so I would often pray, God reveal it. It's amazing how it would come back. So maybe that will help that person with their car parking issues. Um, but one day I, I had to just grow up and realize, you know what, if you've got a place where the things go, 
You don't have to worry and stress and where's my keys? Where's my keys? I'm going to get to. Um, and so we start to grow up. We start to realize, and I had to do that. I just had to have some self-discipline around my life because I was far too sanguine and far too big personality and far too, oh, well, just I just wasn't focused, was I, on the things that are just going to make life efficient. Um, Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8 starts to unpack God's plan for us on that journey of growth in him. And it says in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Verse 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we've got to realize that what God wants to do with us while we're stressing about the small things, in my case, where's my keys? In one of my family members' case, where's my car in the car park? God's ways are higher. While we're stressed about those things that are uh, temporal, that are, that are small, uh, God's saying, hey, look, I've got bigger things for you. I've got great things for you to tackle. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Um, David was a great, great king. And in the Old Testament, uh, quite a hero. And you're going to find um, in 1 Samuel, it starts this story of David and he's, he's written a, a large percentage of the Psalms. This guy was a, was a worshiper and a leader and a warrior and did great things in his lifetime. And it continued afterwards with generations um, to come. From his lineage came uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this guy, look, he's quite a hero. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find out where this all starts, this whole thing of him being anointed, God's ways that are higher. And, and we find him plucked out of obscurity in 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. So Saul's a jealous king and God's now anointing the next king and that's going to create issues for everyone, especially the person that's doing the anointing. So the prophet's like, this isn't going to work. Lord said, take a heifer with you. Come on, I've got a way, I've got a higher way. My ways are higher, my thoughts are higher, Samuel, roll with me on this. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled when they met him and they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord, the oldest brother. He's thinking, man, this guy's anointed. We're going to anoint this guy. Man, God's told me I'm going to anoint someone, one of Jesse's sons. This looks good. He's the eldest. But the Lord said to Samuel in verse 7, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. See, God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. His plans are higher. Uh, the Lord does not look, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's always doing something where we can't see. You can't see the condition of the heart, but that's exactly where God looks. We, as humankind, look at the outward appearance far too often. But that's our nature, and the scripture actually unpacks that. And then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Well, I was another brother. No, you don't, you don't get the Guernsey, mate. 
Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? <laughs> yeah, well, they're still the youngest. Jesse answered, he's out tending the sheep. Samuel said, well, send for him. Could you imagine being the brother that wasn't invited to the big event? Uh, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Sounds like a good lifer. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit, uh, on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Actually, Jeremiah chapter 29, one of the Old Testament prophets, it's a great book. And this guy is a great prophet who, who foretells and actually leads and guides with the word of God, the people, God's people um, through the Old Testament in his season of his life. He says in chapter 29, verse 11 of the book of Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. So God's saying, hey, look, it might be difficult for you right now. You might be struggling with something. You might be forgotten where your keys are or where you've parked your car. But I have plans for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Sure, come on, it's time to find your wallet and it's time to find your keys and it's time to actually work out, well, I've got to put them in a place where I'm not going to forget them all the time. But if I was thinking in regards to being a parent and the different seasons of life of being a parent, now our children are teenagers these days, but I know the days where you're sitting there thinking, man, this is a tough day. You're dealing with toddlers or you're dealing with someone who's really not listening to what they're meant to be doing or not being a, a team player in the home or maybe struggling with your marriage. Or It's interesting because sometimes the difficulties of the seasons of life you can get, it feels like everything's encroaching around. That's all that you can see. You've got to realize in the middle of that, God's ways are higher. His plans are higher. And in Jeremiah 29, he says, I know the plans I have for you. They're actually to prosper you. They're to prosper you. It's been said of parenting, days are long, but the years are short. I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, God's plans are higher. And if you realize that God, even though you've got to get some of the things done, You've got to get that kid through the day. What about with your finances? What about with your job or with your business? And you're believing to, to, to be able to provide for your family, to give an offering to the, to the house of God, to be able to see um, influence for the kingdom of God and change the way that people's perception is of faith and of Christians in your city and in your community and with your family. I just want to let you know, even though you're going to that job this week and you might not like it, and you might not enjoy it, that God's plans are higher. In the middle of the detail, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the day-to-day, God's plans are higher. He is doing a great thing and you might not be able to see it, but if you bail on the journey, you will miss the end result. His plans are higher. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. His plans are to prosper you. And oftentimes we look at the difficulty or the detail or the struggle. We look at the problems that are associated with a range of these different things and we are like the people right here in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verse 7 says, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. And I get it. We're all human. We've all got those frailties or those tendencies to look at the difficult things and get stuck 
in the detail and the minutiae and the struggle. It's normal. But God's not looking at that. He's looking at hearts that he's looking to help and he's looking to build. And, and what God can do in the middle of that season, in your weakness, he is strong. He is doing a great thing that you might not be able to see. And that's where the whole thought of harmonics comes in. We are talking about this whole thought of harmonics is that you play your part. God's given you a gift so you can play your part in, in, in the music that God wants to create, that you could be a part of, that people could hear, that you would enjoy the adventure of being a part of creating music, the tune, uh, the, the, the symphony orchestra or the string quartet, or maybe you're the solo violinist. And, and there's times for us to understand all those different large and small and one-on-one size groups. But the whole point is that God is creating music and in harmonics, we get to play our part. You get to play your part. And it's such a great honor. The giftedness that God has given you is so that you would be a part of it. He's including you by giving you those gifts. So don't exclude yourself by being caught in the small and the struggle when you know that God is creating big. There's a divine partnership where God is blending the members of his church, the members of his band together. Jesus is the conductor. The Holy Spirit is the songwriter that you play your part. You could be in a symphony orchestra. That's like when we gather together as the church gathered in buildings. We get to do that in large groups, but for the last year, that's not always been possible. And when we've done it, it's been quite difficult. So we're going to be doing it on December 13. I would encourage you, don't wait for someone to ask you if you could be a part of team to help out. How about you ask your campus pastor? How about you send them a message and say, I would like to be a part of serving to make sure that we roll out the red carpet when we gather together. But what about this week or next week? What about opening your home up? What about you inviting someone? What about you continuing the, the, your journey of being Maybe it's not the large symphony orchestra when we're gathered together in buildings, but maybe it's in your home and it's more like a string quartet. I, I, I presided over a wedding once with this string quartet and it was beautiful, absolutely brilliant in this garden wedding. Most gorgeous thing ever. And so God can bring great music, great harmonics and touch hearts when it's a large group or a small group. But sometimes and oftentimes, you're not with your small group. You're not with your connect group. You're not on Sunday doing church scattered. You're, you're at your workplace. You're in the home. And it's like you're the solo violinist. And those notes that you're hitting is then God saying, you are taking the music and you're taking the harmonics and it's going out into the world and it's going out to the workplace and it's going out to your place of study. And the people that are watching on are watching to see if your Christianity, your faith will continue in all of the different seasons. It's amazing because this whole story of David, um, after he gets anointed, continues on in, a, in, in quite an interesting, quite a musical um, way. Verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So the, you know, the king, he's in, he's, in a, he's in a bad way. So Saul's attendant said to him, see an evil spirit from God is tormenting him. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. Uh, we will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, well, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. So you're on the lookout for someone who knows how to play, whether in large groups or small groups or one-on-one. -on -one. And I would encourage you, be the Christian, be the disciple of Jesus Christ who knows how to play your part when we're gathered. Play, your, don't disconnect. But when we're doing church scattered, 
don't disconnect. Play your part. Don't wait for someone else to invite. You do the inviting. Don't wait for someone else to bring the Tim Tams. You bring the Tim Tams. You put the bacon and eggs on and make sure that everyone gets a bacon and egg roll. You make the coffees and pray for the people who don't drink coffee because they need it. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone. Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've, I've seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem. Just previously, he's been anointed because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. I've seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's already been practicing. How good. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking man and the Lord is with him. Then, then Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, send me a son, David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread. Previously, even the brothers excluded him. Even when the prophet came to town, they didn't even include him in. But now God has appointed and God has anointed and opportunities come. It's what happens when you focus on going, you know what, God, I'm in the middle of, he's out there with the sheep and he's playing the liar. And God notices because God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. And in the right timing of God, God actually brings him through to the next stage. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son, David, to Saul. David came to Saul and ended his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. No matter what church looks like, large group, small group, one-on-one, -on -one, it's all important. And I want to encourage you, be the person that plays their part. Play your part. What's your part to play? Well, you might not know straight away. You might need to actually even connect with someone and talk to someone in a connect group, talk to the pastor, talk to someone and say, how can I play my part? But it's important not to isolate when you actually can lean in and be a part of the team because God wants to create great music. And even it's all about music and you being a part of it, his ways are even higher. His thoughts are even higher. What he's trying to orchestrate through including you is actually not just something through you, but a greater plan for you. And all you need to be is obedient to the cause of Christ to say, I'm a part of it. With a large group, small group, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm a part of it. You get to play your part. You get to enjoy the sound. You get to enjoy participating. You get to enjoy the presence of God because he's with you. You get to enjoy partnering with him to do something great. You get to enjoy partnering with others. What's God doing? Is he cleverly putting together musicians? At church on a Sunday, you're going to find a drummer and you're going to find a bass player and you're going to find guitarists and keyboardists and people to sing. You've got a song leader and then you've got some backup vocals who are trying to hit some harmonies. I, I love it. I've been a singer all of my life. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of creating music. And that's what God wants to do. And he's putting different people with different skills and different talents together to be a part of his church so that the sound could go through your community. So I get to be a part and then I get to practice with those people. And then what God does is then he blends it together. Have you ever heard harmonies, vocal harmonies blend together? Some choirs or some just some small groups of singers who know how to really hit those notes and know how to really blend together. It is beautiful. But I tell you what, when you're one of the singers that's pulling that off, that's making that happen, it is remarkably like, man, this is the best thing ever. The sound is majestic. Or maybe if you like Hunt for the Wilder People, that Kiwi movie, the sound is majestical. There is nothing like it, not just making, but hearing. 
But what God is doing is actually different because you can see the different parts that are playing, the different singers that are singing. But what God is doing, actually, the science of sound is in sound waves that are invisible. And that is what God is trying to do. God's got sound waves when his church comes together, when we realize whether we're doing church gathered, church scattered, or we're church one-on-one, you're the solo violinist in your community, in your world, in your family, in your home. No matter what it is, he's creating sound waves that are going through the community and actually reaching and touching hearts. You can't see it, but it travels. People hear and people listen. This band that you're a part of doesn't work unless everyone practices their part. David was noticed because they're like, right, we know he plays the lyre. We know he's good at it. We know he's got a good attitude. So you've got to know that you've got to practice your part. You want to practice that daily walk with Jesus Christ. You want to practice your time in the word of God. You want to practice your prayer time when you actually come to God every day and say, God, my life is not mine. It's yours. That's the walk of a disciple. And that's the walk of someone that God can say, I can work with that. Every person practices. Then every person unites. What's God's plan? God's plan is to make disciples, but we get to do that together because I don't have the skills to do it all on my own and nor do you. We get to do this together. So I'm not going to disconnect from his people, even though it may be difficult at times. The band doesn't work unless every person practices, every person unites and that we're actually ready to play no matter the grouping of the people. It could be the large symphony church gathered, could be the small group, the string quartet church scattered, or it could be the solo in the wild. According, not to my preference, but according to God's assignment. His harmonics is he's always got a bigger plan. I'm not just playing music. God's reaching people. The sound waves are going through and past. And when you think someone's pushing back on you, when you think something's difficult, when you're struggling to find the car, to find the keys, to get through that day with that family member, or to balance the budget, or to wonder why am I going to this job? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You can get caught in the small, but God says my plans are higher and bigger. My thoughts are greater. If you're gonna lose anything, don't be like me and lose your keys. I think what God wants us to do in the middle of all this is to realize that his plans are bigger. So start to lose the anxiety. Start to lose the fear. Drop it off. God didn't give you that spirit of fear. He gave you love, power, and a sound mind. Start to drop the stress and trust. You don't need to work harder. You just need to trust more. Start to actually humble yourself and say, God, here's my heart. Take a moment right now and say, God, here is my heart. Here's my everything. Here's what I've got. Here's my part to play. Here's my anxiety. Here's my stress. I give you it all. Father, I pray today, Lord God, that you would move on these men and women, young and old, that have gathered here together as a part of this service, Lord God, that you would move on our hearts and then through our hearts. We make a decision to leave fear and anxiety and stress behind and we pick up a trust in you, Lord God, that even though we have got the duties of today and the minutia and the struggles and the problems, Lord God, we drop off anxiety, fear and stress and we pick up trust. Lord God, I'm like, we're going to lose some things today. You don't lose anything. Lord God, I, I pray those words of those scriptures that what's hidden would be revealed. Lord God, let your true design Let your true plan be revealed. Church, 
This is happening all the way through the Bible. This whole thought of God's bigger plan and God working with just people who are doing their best and are stuck in the middle of a hard day and just trying to get through and trusting God that no matter what it looks like, he's going to get us through and then he's got a bigger plan. And no matter what it is, I'm just going to keep my head uh, focused, my eyes focused on what, I'm going to keep my head down and my eyes focused on what God has got. Joseph was a guy in the Old Testament who gets sold by his brothers. He's into slavery. Then he gets thrown, gets accused, and it's not even his fault. He's in jail. And then within, you think it's just one foul swoop. All of a sudden, he becomes the prime minister. It was years of being persecuted, years of tough days. But God had a larger plan for this guy. And he ends up as prime minister, and the, he becomes the person that saves his family, the very ones that sold him into slavery. He saved them. It was God's plan was bigger. His ways are bigger, but he went through some difficulty. And you could imagine at the end of his days going, I'm glad that I kept my head when it was difficult. Moses was a guy who was raised in Pharaoh's house, does something wrong and runs for his life. And he gets stuck in the backside of the desert. And God appears to him in a burning bush. And he goes back to Egypt and he says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, ooh, baby, let my people go. Yeah, that's what he says. And he says, Pharaoh, those people, my people, they've got to go and they face plagues. The days got worse and God's people that he'd come to actually um, deliver are now turning on Moses going, it's your fault. And there were tough days. What was God's plan? God's plan was to set up his people in the land that he designed and he'd given to them. And you think, man, could you imagine Moses at the end of his days going, my people are about to, you know, it's the end of my days. I'm moving on. This next generation is going to go in and possess the land. I'm so glad I went through all of that. Amazing bit of time gives perspective. And you go, you know what? God's plans were higher. His ways were higher. He was blending together harmonics of a song that would be great. Those tough days, you can do it. You know why? Because of trust. You can trust him. Hold on and look at the macro. Now, in this case, with both Joseph and with Moses, the whole point was the preserving of the lineage of Jesus Christ that David was a part of later on down the track. And David, this whole scripture of David and what he's doing, playing for Saul, he's about to be king. He's been anointed as king and Saul has got some problems. And they bring in the musician. They got to make some music that's going to soothe his soul. And the end of it, we find the end of this chapter, we find out that really what God's trying to do is something bigger than just sending him in there to play some music so the king's soul could be slightly helped. Verse 23. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. God's plan was the harmonics of what God could do where people couldn't see. People saw Saul's countenance change and David was appreciated. But what God was doing was actually telling every evil spirit flee. God wants you to prosper and the enemy wants you to be crushed. And what God is doing is actually as we unite large group, small group, 
one-on-one, when we practice, when we unite, when we're ready to play, when we're ready to be a part of God's plan, what God does is the enemy must flee. We are saying to every principality, every power, every demonic attack, every enemy that comes to rob, kill, and destroy, you've got no place in my family, in my health, in my finance, in my church, in my community. Come on, we are people that are truly for our city. And we've got to trust that God is doing a macro plan and I get to play my part. What a privilege and what an honor. So come on, I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you today for your plan and for your purpose. We come to play our part, practiced, united, and ready, ready to play our part, whether gathered, whether church scattered or church in the wild. And I thank you that God, that you anoint, your spirit anoints, and then Satan flees. I thank you that you are doing a great work. Lord God, I thank you that no matter the pressure, no matter the struggle, no matter the stress, Lord God, we leave behind anxiety, fear, and stress, Lord God, and say yes to playing our part, no matter how church looks, large group, small group, one-on-one. We're a part of your band, seeing music go down the streets, hearts touched and changed. Lord God, I thank you that you unlock hearts, Lord God, that you are making something greater than we could ever ask or imagine or think. Your ways, thoughts and plans are higher. And Lord God, we're believing for generational blessing in this lifetime and beyond our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you've never said yes to Jesus, then today would be a great day. He's got a great plan. He's always got a great plan. That's what God's doing. It's big. It's massive. And today was just one little part of it. You being a part of this service is God's way of saying you're included. So if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time or are coming back to him in rededication, just pray this prayer after me like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love for me despite my sin and mess. You include me in your family. You include me in your plans. So today, Jesus, I ask you to be the savior of my life. Today, I make you Lord of my life. I turn away from my sin and I embrace you every day from this day forward. In Jesus' name.